Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Susanna Evans. Susanna, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, excellent, excellent. I actually had two practices before this, so I got to learn a couple of new things today for a new sport I'm doing, and I got to see my volleyball team. I haven't seen them in about a month, so we had a good time. So it's a, been a good Sunday so far. It's always nice to start the day that way and then end with some podcasts and the book club after so Sundays are really my favorite day of the week so it's been fun sounds it sounds fun actually yeah great day off great day off I have to say all right so we're gonna start with that first question there what has your writing journey been like up until this point my writing journey has been uh basically relearning how to write all over again Mm -hmm. because Well, you you start off in when you're younger and you write all these little things and your teachers tell you you're awesome. But for the publishing world, when you're actually writing a book, pretty much all the things that you have learned, you you have to cast aside. I mean, writing a a book is hard. Um, Remembering all your grammar, remembering that. You know, this is how, how you edit and format the story when you're done. I mean, it, it's it's a huge process. Oh, yeah. And so to this point, it's mainly been making sure that I have memorized all these things and then not getting to the last point going, oh, my God, how do I do this? I don't remember. And yeah, so it and also finding readers, mm. um, getting people who read before you are ready to, because some chapters just may not fit. Some things just may not make sense and they make sense in your head, but they may not make sense to a reader. And then you want that after you're, you're completely done. You want feedback from a beta reader who is going to tell you, yes, this is great or no, this doesn't work. And you need those things before you actually publish. So uh, that's, how the process has gone on making sure you have decent editors. You need someone who's going to say to you, no, this doesn't work. Uh, I don't like the premise. I don't like where the plot has gone, but and they also have to have that balance of, I love this. Yeah. This part was great. Um, so that is also part of my journey is making sure that I have people around me who don't tear me down but will also help me fix it yeah. and lead me in the right direction so did that make sense no it totally does and I, it's just it, it's just i like i said before we started recording i just always find it interesting how people take this question differently and you actually said a lot of things that i don't think a lot of people have talked about a lot uh in terms of their overall journey so i just i liked how you answered it because you know, one thing that you mentioned is having good people around you. And I do think it is very important, you know, and a lot of people think because you're doing the writing, you know, that it's just you and, you know, it can get very lonely, you know, when you're writing cave and things like that. But I do agree with you. It's hard to find good beta, hard to find beta readers. It's hard to find good beta readers. It's easy to find editors, right? But it's hard to find good editors. So I definitely agree with you. I think it's important to find the right people to surround you and you do need a really good team regardless right you need a, a great cover artist you need you know somebody mm-hmm. who you know can you know work with you and you know I I just think it's hard to find good people to work with you nowadays uh, you know a lot of people 
particularly indie publishing, they just want our money. And, you know, yes. there's not a lot of, you know, that's why I like personally, like I like Felix Ortiz, you know, he seems like a guy like I was actually trying to have him do something for me, a logo. And I, mm-hmm. I wanted a banner and he goes, hold on, tell me what you want tomorrow morning. So I was like, okay, like, he was busy. It's a time difference. He got a hold of me first thing the next morning. He goes, okay, explain to me what you want. So I sent him a couple of pictures. He goes, you want this art style. He goes, what I would do if I were you is I would go and use Adobe stock images. And here I am, like, I was like ready to write like, you know, like a $1,500 check, you know, and he helped me out and it's going to cost me like $10, you know, for our new website, um, which is pretty cool, you know, and I, I, you know, I just think people like that are really rare. Um, Yeah. So I agree with you. It's, it's very hard to find good people, uh, particularly that, you know, that can help you out with certain things like editing, you know, beta reading, things like that. Yes, it is. And I just had a quick uh, side question about that. Um, so how I really your cover. How did you do your cover? Did you have someone do it or did you do it yourself with different images or? Which cover are you looking at? Oh, I'm I'll sorry. Uh, book one. Uh, I just had it. Everything just. Book one, Let There Be Light? Yes. Okay. I actually had a cover designer do that. Oh, okay. I had someone um, hit me up on Facebook uh and she was just getting started so she did uh let there be light and asylum and ashes fall Mm. and uh she did was just getting started so she wanted something to work with and she does not actually do the genre that i write in and she goes as long as there's nothing risque on the cover because she's very religious mm-hmm. which i found I, I thought was weird that she hit me up and was like hey yeah, let yeah. me do your covers for you and then she popped up with those and i was like okay cool and she charged me i think 30 dollars for all oh, three wow. because wow. she was just getting started yeah, and yeah. so now they're on her portfolio and i have these covers so oh, that's cool that's how those came about um did she do your sidebars one too then no I did uh, sidebars. Sidebars actually has two covers, and I can't remember what the one that looks like that's on. I uh, can't remember what it looks like that's on Amazon right now. <laughs> Both now, of them are really I, cool. I did wishing on fire myself as well. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. So um, it depends on what I want and if I can find a cover artist that can actually give me what I can see in my head then I'll go with their cover and I paid I think it was $450 for a cover for Wishing on Fire couldn't use it Mm -hmm. like it it, no matter how I explained it to the artist we weren't meshing and they're Mm -hmm. great artists yeah, yeah. But part of finding a great cover or a cover that suits your books and and gives the reader the visual that you're going for, um, if your artist doesn't understand, you're not on the same page, then it's not going to work. You yeah, can't yeah. just take a, 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 a cover, you know, just because you paid X amount of money for it doesn't yeah. mean it's going to be a great cover to no, work yeah, yeah. for you. Yeah. And they can be absolutely wonderful artists but you just don't mesh yeah and you have to understand that and 
say, okay, well now I'm out this money, but I got to move on and do something else because I yeah. have a book to put out. Yeah. So. I mean, I definitely know that feeling because I was so excited to get my new Twitter and website up originally like two years ago that I had this one artist do, you know, like a dragon logo for me. And I really liked what she came up with. And then later on, my friend was like, oh, it looked cooler on a shield and like this and that. And now I want a totally different logo, but I just wanted something at the time. And so I paid yeah. somebody, you know, like 200 to do it. And then, um, and they were like well-known and stuff. And then later on, they're like, they said, well, if you want to change, let me know, I'll fix it. And then when I went on a couple of weeks after, like probably about a month or so after that to see if they could add it to a shield, which we had come up with. Um, they like were off Twitter, their face, their whole entire website was gone. I was just like, oh, well, wow. lessons learned there, you know, so I totally get it. Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't work. I have a uh, Caleb Gosens. So if anybody listening, um, I've been sharing his art. Um, he's done the art for my website. Um, it, he's been brilliant. Um, he's so affordable and his skill level since I found him two years ago, like I'm trying to have him do a couple of book covers before he ends up being too famous. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I try and send him business, but it's like everything I send him, he, I like, I, I agree with you. You definitely need to find somebody you can work with him and I work really well together. I give him a cool idea and he's really excited to do it. And then he just, I had this archangel warrior class that I want him to do. And I wanted it the way I wanted it. And he was like, hold on, this is going to be cooler. And I should have just trusted him. And sure enough, he always makes it better. <laughs> He's like, he was just like, give me what you want and then get out of my way. And I'm like, just going to do that from now on. So I definitely agree with you. His relationship, I think, is finding, again, somebody, finding someone you could work with. I agree with you that sometimes you just don't match with people. And it's not that them or you or whatever. It's just that it's just not the best right. relationship for either one. So, yeah, I was just curious about that because I was looking at a couple of your different covers yesterday. So I was, I know a lot of people are, you know, are in that boat where, you know, like um, C.S. Radcliffe's another one where he helps people out with really, you know, affordable covers and they're always really good. So I think it's important for people to, you know, to realize that you don't have to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a good cover, no. and, you know, and it's just one of those, especially you can find somebody like, you know, like I know Lindsay Broker used to do that a lot, um, you know, finding somebody who was starting out and, you know, pay him a hundred bucks or something like that. And they always came up with really good stuff for her. So it's nice to know that there's, you know, a lot of different options out there for people. Yes. Uh, for that second one, so for the audience here, what genres do you typically write in? Uh, uh, that's kind of complicated because I have <laughs> mashed up several genres. And so that's what I want to talk about the most. <laughs> we have, it's uh, paranormal, urban, fantasy, horror, and then the romance is sort of secondary, except for the the books that I told you about where it's the main focus because I have this character and my readers were like, you have to fix this. He has to have a happy ending. You've been really <laughs> mean to him this whole time. You have to fix this. So I'm like, okay. So, but I came up with a great plot around it, I hope. I think, I mean, but, uh, yeah, it, the, I've mashed up all these genres together to come up with something different. Uh, so, um, I don't know how to describe it other than all those little boxes that they, it just doesn't fit into, but there it is. 
because yeah. my my characters are gods and goddesses and um, elementals who wield the elements, and then you have animals who actually there are two halves of them that there are times they're in their skin and they're they look human and then they change and they're either jackals or ligers or tigers or lions you know so and that's where the fantasy part comes in like that would be sort of the paranormal aspect of it because the elementals are a lot like vampires except they're alive you know but then there's the world building around it where they have um bloodlines and how cool there's a war that they are fighting and it's their, their battles sometimes take place in like ancient ruins, but most of the time they're in ballrooms or somebody's throwing a party and they end up getting into a fight. And I mean, I just sort of mash things together. Yeah. And, and uh, that's, basically what I did like I took all the things that I like to read about and put them into a series so I feel like my friend he teases me he calls it the monster mash um with genres and I I I personally like I think the day I just have talked to so many authors recently particularly for February she wrote where it's like it just seems like now the thing is to not just write epic fantasy or write fantasy or whatever, or just romance or, you know, whatever horror. It's just always now seems like the best stories have a lot of those elements from at least two different subgenres. And it just seems like to me, more and more stories that I really like, like for instance, like uh, I just started reading Will White's cradle series. Well, you have the fantasy progression fantasy but there's also a science fiction aspect to it and it just adds a whole nother flavor to it and i think that there's a lot of really interest uh, i was had richard lee byers on um last month and it was interesting to see how like over his career where i don't know if he's ever done a straight fantasy <laughs> he's always done a, a fantasy and horror you know and to me when i was talking to him i just said to him like i really like that people are blending these ideas together so to me, it just adds because it's like if you have two great genres, why not add some of those elements together? And I just think personally, it adds a lot more fireworks and a lot more depth to characters. And you can pull a lot more from themes and things like that. So I like that personally. To me, fantasy does always have some element of horror to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because there are graphic scenes in Lord of the Rings yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, really come out in the movies yeah and it, it it's not just on the aspect of the blood guts and gore but also um the creepy things yeah, that yeah. happen and uh like my favorite part of the race yeah like yeah. i love the scenes with the wraiths, and i like the scene where um Strider goes in and has to fight with the kings, yeah, the yeah, dead yeah. ones. Okay, see that to me is fantasy. That's yeah. and when I put stuff like that into mine, my sister told me, she goes, "You wrote the first one and it was great." She said, "But I can't read get through the second one because it's scary." <laughs> and I was like, 
it's scary? And she goes, yeah. She goes, I can't read any more of your writing because it's scary. And I'm like, okay, so now I need to tack horror into my <laughs> genres. And I'm like, I didn't really think it was. I, because for me, I'm thinking if I say it, there's pan, uh, fantasy in here, it's scary. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and parts of paranormal are yeah, yeah. scary, you know? I, I don't know. But well, to me, it's all kind of, so I'm just trying, what are these boxes? What What are the names that I need to say? I don't know. Yeah, so yeah. let's just throw them all out there. Yeah, yeah, no, so, totally. Well, like, I, I can't remember if I was talking to Chloe uh, or who I was talking to about or Courtney, but recently for February, she wrote, but, like, it just seems like, I think people forget that, you know, it really is, like, I agree with you, like, fantasy, I always tell people, I'm like, it's a fantasy and sci-fi podcast. I'm like, take that with you, Will. And some people forget that. For me, horror is fantasy. Paranormal mm-hmm. is fantasy. They, you know, always has these fantastical elements. And, uh, you know, I think even horror has some elements of, you know, science fiction and things. And um, mm-hmm. I just think that people forget, you know, that there's all these original stories, you know, like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, like, well, that's science fiction. It's also urban yes. fantasy. It could be considered yes. fantasy or horror, you know, and I mean, you know, she's the, you know, the the modern day queen of the genre. And, you know, I mean, really, I think you could really equate her with, you know, having, you know, many of the main subgenres there as well between, you know, yes. science fiction, fantasy and horror. And it's like, well, you look at that story and it's a prime example of what you can do, you know, and then it's funny where I think people later on, it's not that that was the birth and it was just they were, you know, she was just trying to do just science fiction or or just horror. I think people later on, you know, try to put it on shelves, um, you know, and then I think that kind of messes it up a little bit personally, because, you know, then people think, oh, when I'm writing, I can only do fantasy. I can only do epic fantasy. And I totally agree with you. I I actually never considered, you know, those moments in Lord of the Rings. But to me, like when the the race are in the Shire, in the fellowship, you know, even in the book, like, you know, when they're in the mounds and stuff, the burial mounds, uh, it's like, it's it's really creepy. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's really yeah. scary. Yeah, it's the connotations that people put with specific places and yeah. and specific Ooh, things, and you never know the psychological part of like how a reader is going to think about this. Yeah. What are, uh, that, like I have some there are people in my writing group who won't read my stuff because there are elements of horror to it. Like I will describe things and that's part of my world building is giving you the room and painting the picture for you. And in Wishing on Fire, I have a scene where one of the brothers opens a door and there's a body laid out on the bed and it's a woman. There's blood everywhere and she's holding her head mm. in her, her, on her stomach. Yeah. You know, and I described that and somebody was like, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't read any more of this, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's like, okay, I, I'm not a problem, you know, I have, I have other people who are going to read for me, but that sort of psychological, like, however I worded it, freaked them out, but they could see it and that was what they were talking about is that they could see it from from my standpoint it was blood guts and gore now when her ghost starts walking across the 
floor and the blood cool. is moving away from her feet, that to me is more of a paranormal aspect because when you watch horror movies or the ghost horror movies with the psychological, then you're, you know, that sort of stays in your head. Like there are, are movies that I have seen that didn't bother me while I was watching them. And then I'm laying in bed going, that one scene, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I got to do something else. I have to read a book or I have to get up, and, you know, but yeah, I think it all depends on how the reader takes it in and yeah. the words that are used to describe what they're doing and how they're doing it. So you have horror elements in fantasy um, my husband has gotten into watching The Watcher. He mm. loved The Wheel of Time, which is not something I could get into because I'm I don't get into high fantasy. Oh yeah. But watching the scenes on the TV because I'll sit there and I'll write and I'll have my headphones on, and then every now and then something will catch my attention on the TV, and I'll look up and I'm like, "That's horror." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this. This is what people define as horror. These are the vivid things that that you see and you witness and it stays with you. And I think that is part of the definition of horror that goes along with the fantasy, because in a lot of fantasy stories, you have those vivid scenes that just stay in your mind and they'll pop up out of nowhere and you're just yeah. like oh my god that was just ugh. so it, it's hard when you're trying to define a book where do you stick it i mean Sherilyn Kenyon is one of my favorite authors but when i would go into barnes and noble to look for her she's in romance and i'm like but this is paranormal you know the, the, i would categorize this as paranormal or urban fantasy but i wouldn't put her in romance so yeah, there's there's this whole new thing now where trying to figure out where do I find my book? If yeah. I'm actually going into a brick and mortar, where am I going to find the book? So it's hard trying as a writer, trying to say, oh, I write this because there's so much to what you what we write that it could be anything, you know, so. I personally wouldn't call myself horror, but apparently I do have horror elements in there <laughs> and people need disclaimers. You know, this, this is going to have blood, guts and gore. This is going to have sex in it. Um, no rape scenes, no this, no that. And, and uh, I don't know if you've had to write a book description lately, but sometimes uh, I know when I'm going through them on Amazon, looking for something to read, there are those disclaimers in there. There is yeah, no yeah. rape in here. And I'm like, huh, I, something new for me to think about as a writer, um, how I describe the book mm. has to be, um, you don't want to set anybody off. You don't, yeah, yeah. You, you need those trigger warnings because like my sister was like, you know, I picked up your second book and I was ready to go right on through. And then you, I, you, there was something scary in it and I had to put it down and I'm like, okay. So, you know, just trying to figure out what genre you're writing and making sure you cover all the bases for everybody so that you, you get your target audience. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, no, totally. And I feel like you brought up some good points there. Like one is like 
I, I well, first of all, like we, I talked with a few people about this same thing. The last few interviews is like, like Philip Pullman is one, right? The Golden Compass. Like, do you put him in, you know, young adult? Do you put him in fantasy? Do you put him in science fiction? And you know, I've seen him in every single genre, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. uh, a couple other ones too, you know, um, depending on which state I'm in, which bookstore I'm in, if it's Barnes and Noble, if it's a mom and pop like independent store. Um, you know, if it's a used bookstore and, you know, I've seen his books everywhere and you're talking about somebody that's sold, you know, millions of copies of all three books. And it's like, that's crazy that, you know, and like, I talked to a couple of people, Richard and I talked about it. And I think Chloe and I talked about it where it's like, where do you put books like that? You know, like, and I think that that's what people like the most about it is that there's a little something in there for everyone. And it's a great story with great characters, you know, and for me, if it didn't have the science fiction aspect to it and it was just straight, like, you know, um, the witches and the familiars and things, you know, I don't know if it would be as exciting, but because they have the astral projection and these different, you know, science fiction elements to me, it just makes those fantasy elements that much cooler. And I just realized too, that there's a lot of horror elements in there too, you know, with the, uh, the witches and things, you know, and what they can do. And, um, you know, some of the, like the, the monkey familiar, for instance, I forget his name, but he's, he scared the crap out of me in the book, like the golden compass. Like every time he popped up, I was just like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. But, and I didn't think about that. No one said anything about that yet in terms of um, we talked about how to write descriptions, but you make a good point that, you know, you you do have to put disclaimers, I think, depending on, you know, what it is. I know that I think it was either the last outlander book or it was either the book or the, the Netflix uh, season where, you know, there was rape in it. And, you know, a lot of people were turned off by that because there was no, no warning whatsoever. Um, So I definitely hadn't considered that. And we haven't talked about that yet in terms of, you know, description. So I, and I don't think I really realized that. I think I've been going off of just certain authors that I know, or, you Mm -hmm. know, who have been introduced to. Uh, So I, I don't even look at descriptions anymore. So I think you make a really good point there. I'm going to have to start analyzing more descriptions. Well, I, I belong to some, um, book groups on Facebook and mainly I just go through and read what they're saying about different books and why they did like them and why they didn't like them. And they're beginning to ask for more. Um, They want that warning. They want to know to expect whatever is coming. They they don't want you to tell you exactly what it is in the description, but just to say, you know, there's going to be a rape or there is going to be some blood, guts and gore or because I don't know that they know a lot of the time. If you say this is fantasy or if you say this is urban fantasy, if it's urban, you're expecting something modern. You uh, are expecting it grounded a little bit in the real world, not not. You know, it doesn't have to be much, but when you say urban, you're expecting, at least I am, and I know a lot of readers, because I I did, I read before I wrote, you know, like yeah, that's, yeah. and you're expecting when they say urban, it's going to be set in this time. You expect if you pick up a Regency historical romance, it's set in Regency times, you know, and these are the things that go along with this genre. And when you say paranormal nowadays, that could mean it has a ghost in it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's vampires and werewolves. And they, that sort of got lumped all in together. And 
I would think ghosts were scary. I wouldn't think they were, I mean, based on the way books were done before, I wouldn't have categorized a ghost as paranormal if yeah. you're going to set the bar at vampires and werewolves. Yeah, Does that yeah. make sense? No, totally. Yeah. I, we just talked about that the other day. And like, um, I think um, Stephen Blackmore really totes that line because with his Eric Carter series, like, um, and actually too, with uh, Patricia Biggs and Mercy Thompson, you know, like their ghosts and spirits, like they, I liked how Briggs particularly made them not really like a threat, but then as the series goes on, it's like she changed them to be like some of the most scariest, like scarier than vampires and werewolves, uh, to yeah. be quite honest, you know, and you're like, whoa. And I just think certain people are, you know, are better at that. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you. It's just one of those things that's like, I, yeah, it just, I think it really just depends on how, I, I guess I always considered like ghosts to be on the same like level. Uh, I guess I always clump everything like that into horror uh, with fantastical elements, I guess, because that's really right. how they were introduced to me with Bram Stoker, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I totally agree with you. It makes total sense. It's kind of hard. I think when you start to, to blur the lines there, it's like, well, then what is urban fantasy or what is paranormal? So yeah, right. I, I definitely can see that, that argument there. And if you have elements of each one, you're just like, I write, you know, all these things and it's all in one book. Here you go. Yeah, I yeah. hope you like it, you know, <laughs> and that's just sort of how it kind of goes for me because people are like, well, what do you write? And, uh, well, yeah, books. I write books. Yes, I write books. That's what I do. So. No, I mean, I think it's a great thing to think about. I've been researching this. Uh, like, yeah, I talked to Dirk Ashton and, um, oh, um, I talked to a couple people about, like, uh, historical, like, fantasy um, or I guess you could call it, like, historical urban fantasy or mythological fantasy, I guess, with his okay. protagonist books. And to me, it's like, it's almost like its own genre now when you're using the mythology. And I wanted to do, like, but I like horror, so... Um, I talked about doing historical fantasy. I have this one idea where I want to take the lost Roman legion and I want them to be lost because they met zombies. Um, and then I'll have a few of them survive and they go and do some things. But my friend and I are talking, and I was like, I think it would have great horror in it. I'm not a straight horror person. I don't think I'm the best at writing straight horror, but I'm a history teacher. I'm like, I feel like I could, you know, put in a little bit of fantasy and and horror and, and use the history as a backbone for it uh, much. Oh, I was talking to, um, to Tilda um, uh, Holt Colt about that. And I think it'd be, that's how she did Northern wrath as she went from the historical Viking perspective and then uh, wrote the fantastical elements around it. So I do agree with you. I think it's, you know, I always think now, like what would be the coolest story mixing genres? <laughs> and, but I do think, you know, like how, how would I advertise this? You know, like who am I going to advertise it to? Is it going to be more for the, you know, like historical fiction people? Maybe some people would like it because if I can get the Roman history right, you know, um, right. Maybe the military history right, you know, things like that. But it's like, it's not a straight historical fiction. So I just know a lot of people where we've had that debate lately. So I definitely think you uh, raise a really good point with that. It's like, I think you have to really be honest with yourself, right? And be like, well, are you going to be able to advertise? Who are you going to advertise to? So, mm -hmm. uh, might, and I had a couple people like um, Tilda said, well, you might want to really, you know, pick one or two or maybe like one genre 
uh, you know, to kind of gear more towards uh, and then try and get those secondary ones. But yeah, I definitely think it's a good thing to think about ahead of time. Yeah. And, and you do have to pick that one main genre. Yeah. But when, when you're putting it on Amazon or Kobo or however you're going to sell your, your book, um, you do have to pick that one genre. And then you have, I think, three for Amazon underneath yeah. that. Uh, and, and you have to be very selective about those, too, and making sure you hit the right points with those because otherwise you're not going to reach your target audience because they're going to be looking for something different than yeah. what you put up there. So, well, one of my friends had like one myth in it, like in his fantasy and it wasn't even that big of a part of his book. And then he put mythology and then he just oh, got wow. creamed with, you know, with one star reviews. And I was just like, you know, we, a couple of us had said to him at the time, we're like, you, you probably shouldn't do that unless it's, you know, like, like I have a couple of books I'm working on where it's like mythology, you know, is really like the main thing. Uh, like I have some urban fantasy where it's like, really, it's like mythological urban fantasy. Uh, and the mythology is the one of the biggest parts. So it's like, I could do that. And, you know, people would go to it, you know, for that. But we're like, you had very little mythology at all with even your own world building. It's like, so I, I, I do know people who have you know, try to get in those subgenres just to get in front of people. And then, you know, people that have had, you know, um, you know, got the book on Amazon Kindle or something and then have done really negative reviews for them. So I definitely agree with you. I think you have to be able to find your audience. And I, I do think people need to be a little bit more careful nowadays with those subgenres that you're putting on Amazon. Cause I do think people will get upset with you if you're, you know, saying it's one thing and it's really not. And, you know, they waste, you know, they bought it with a credit yeah. or, you know, on audible or whatever, but. Yeah, well, I created my own mythology, but I don't say oh, that it's cool. mythological because I created my own. Like, but see, I feel like you could though, like reading your description, like your blurbs, everything. Like, um, like I feel like you really could do that, and that would totally fit for you. And I think people, you know, if they went to your blurb and read that, they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I could get into," you know, because I don't always go for historical mythology, you know, like. I just think a book like yours, you know, for like sidebars and actuals, I just was like, oh, that sounds so cool. And it really made me want to figure out the mythology and just like how these different groups are, you know, are fighting and stuff. And uh, when you were talking about gods and goddesses, like, I think that's a perfect category for you. I did in sidebars and actuals um, give people a background so that you, in the very beginning, you don't really have to read um let there be light and asylum and ashes fall before mm. you read sidebars and actuals. So you could do sidebars and actuals and then read wishing on fire. And you know, what's going on because I gave a, um, like definitions of things at the beginning of sidebars and actuals, because I had questions from people who I didn't even know were reading. Yeah. yeah. Were like, you know, you wrote this, and I know I read it somewhere, but what does this mean? So I was like, okay, so for sidebars and actuals, when I just kind of throw that out there, I'm going to give you some definitions in the beginning. And then you read them and be like, okay, and we'll jump right into the story and go from there. Because it was, uh, I wrote it while I was writing Wishing on Fire. Mm. And it, I, I have those moments where you're putting a story together and you're like, okay, no, this needs to happen and you need to tell this, but it doesn't really fit in this book. 
So that's sort of what I did. I kind of yeah. was like, okay, we'll do a little mini short story beforehand. I'll give all these details. And then here's your, your full book after, which is what Wishing on Fire ended up being because it's, in, it's a much more complicated plot than sidebars and actuals. Mm. And trying to put the two together just wasn't working, but it was yeah. the same story. And you need those details out there and to create your, your, you know, your canon for how things are supposed to go. And so I was just like, I'm just going to write this little short story. I'm going to stick it out there. And um, then I'm going to publish Wishing on Fire later so that, you know, you, you, you have the preview of, okay, this is what's going on and this is where we're going. Um, because it, it is a complicated world building is hard. Yeah. And then not easy. (laughs) No. And like I started with one character and her name was Kate and I knew who she was, uh, where she came from. She had this really awful father. I mean, it, it was very cliche, but when I started this whole world that I created, I started with her. And that was how everything came about. And I was going, I challenged myself, I'm going to write something very uh, simple and do this little romance. He's going to be a vampire. We'll just make it paranormal romance and go from there. And that's not what happened. No, the characters revolted and then I had to change things. I hate that. And, I hate that. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm sort of going through that now trying to write book five for the Gemini Dio series because they keep changing their minds. Like yeah, yeah. I will get a, a paragraph uh, or um, a chapter written and I'll love it. <laughs> and then I'll go back like tomorrow and I'll read it and go, no, I don't like this. I have to back it up. Like it's not flowing for me. Like I can't go forward from this chapter, even though I've written this beautiful scene, it doesn't work. And uh, that I have hit the point where everything's coming together. You know, you've gotten all the background done and you, you, you know who the bad guy is and you've got all this going on. And then you get to the point where everything is coming together and that's where I'm at. And I'm just like, okay, this is not working. And I'll I'll write, I can sit down and write five or 6,000 words in a day and then turn around and go back and read it the next day going, I can't use this. This will not work. And uh, that part of, the beginning of everything you write is that world building because even if you're writing a series i mean you still have to go through and you at least need one or two lines in there of this is how this works yeah. um like my characters there are 21 different planes and oh. then there's the veil and in the veil magic is more prevalent than your science so you have your mosaics which are tiles that are spelled you hook your tablet up to it and you place orders if you're in the kitchen you can order your groceries if you're in your closet you order your clothes your furniture you have a bigger mosaic like by your front door i mean all these things have to be explained every time you're in the veil and if they're going to be doing these things then that's a little bit of the world building because it plays into the magic system you know, and everything is done by thumbprints and retinal scans. So you don't have, you have money, but it has to, your account has to be tied to your thumbprints and your retinal scans. So 
um, is that science? <laughs> like I, so again, talking about genre, where do you stick it? Because you have this great world building set up and then you have to put all of that in each book. Yeah. Just to remind people, this is how it goes. And so your beginnings can take up, you have to learn to drop it in. That's a, that's a thing for writers. Um, you have to learn to drop things in there if it, and just, just, just drop it just really delicately right into a paragraph, um, you know, or into your dialogue when your character is moving around instead of going, he said, or she said, you drop that bit of world building in there because they're doing this action and it's easier to digest that way, I think. But I also think when you're in the middle and you're first beginning a series and you're creating this world, for me, I think it was easier in the creation of than the repeating of every time I write a new book because it's like, ah, I have to put that in there. They won't know what that is. I can't yeah. just say this. I have to describe it, you know? So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to no, 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 there, no, 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 no. But I, I think that's I think you're totally right there. And it's the one thing you said that I totally agree with is like character is revolting. And and then the second part of what you said, like with the world building, like I had my one of my characters totally done, thought out, and then I went to write draft two, and then he decided that he didn't want to be a, a police officer, like a constable in this continent. He wanted to be a thief taker. Right. Well, then I had to go research thief takers for sixteen hundreds. And then I had to go research like all these things for how they did it in like the Middle East and things like that. And I'm like, screw you, dude. I'm like, we had this whole thing thought out. And then of course <laughs> that changes everything else, his, you know, his interactions, how he fits with the plot. And then I had to go back for the last couple of weeks and figure out now, and it's a better story. So I'm like, well, thanks dude. But I'm just kind of like, you know, what a jerk, you know, like you really had to do that now you couldn't, but my friend right. goes, well, at least he didn't do it draft three. You know, at least he did it at the <laughs> beginning of outline for draft two. But but then, you know, it changes the world building. And mm -hmm. then I had to then I had to think up all of these different ways that, you know, this new class would affect. And then it changed, you know, my entire city, essentially, for the one city that I'm in for the story. And I'm like, it was just like a domino effect. And now I'm so burnt out <laughs> changing things that I think I need like a two week. I took a little now I'm taking a little bit of a break. Because I'm like, I just need to clear my headspace. But yeah, it was just one character that really pissed me off. And now it's like, so I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one where no. my characters revolt and then change my entire world building process. So <laughs> Yes, yes, they do. They, they get very upset. And, yeah. and you, you look at them and you're like, but we had this conversation. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> just like, I know we did. Yeah. <laughs> right. We, we A couple of times. What we were A doing. Couple. You agreed. And yeah. <laughs> you said right. you were gonna do this. You know, I wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then suddenly it's just different. And you're just like, okay, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. Like, you want to do this now? Really? Why? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Now I have to go find out what that is. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know what that is. Then you gotta find out so, what it means yeah. for the entire story. You're just like, what? seriously, like <laughs> And how many changes you have to go through? And can yeah. I keep this chapter or not? Yep. Do I really have to get rid of this chapter? And yeah. I took on whole characters because now I was like, well, mm -hmm. you don't fit. I was like, well, you don't fit with the story now. And then like, I think I, I removed two to move for another story because I like their 
little love interest thing. And I was like, well, that's cool. And then I liked this one character. I came up with a whole class of, uh, like, warrior women for her. And I was like, that's just awesome. Uh, and then I, I, yeah, I, just, I, had, I took out two characters, main characters, and then had to insert, like, five others, all because this one guy decided that he wanted to be a jerk and change what his class was. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but end up yeah, just dominoing. But I think it's important for people to know that, you know, like one of my friends, he made a comment. He goes, well, that's how you know you just made your story better. And I'm uh-huh. like, well, that's great. But I was like, I was just hoping to, I don't know. I guess I was hoping to be a little further. But I'm like, well, I, I do agree with one of my friends. She was like, well, you, at least you didn't do it, you know, at the like towards the end of draft two. <laughs> you know, yeah. like three, four, seven. So I'm like, at least she goes, at least he spoke up now. I'm like, no, that is true. Uh, this was the time to speak up before we started mm-hmm. giving directions and things. But yeah. It's funny because nobody but a writer understands that process. <laughs> like, or I guess yeah, I, I think you, artists can. I think artists, but writers and artists, I don't know anybody else that, you know. No, because if you tell them the characters revolted, they're like, but you <laughs> created them. They're yeah. your char- I'm like, no, they live in my head. You yeah. just don't understand. They will wake <laughs> me up in the middle of the night and go, yeah. this is what we're doing. Go write this down now. And you're just like, but I'm tired. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's how it goes. They're like so, yeah. <laughs> you don't know mm-hmm. what they're gonna do. They are. They're and not they fully developed. <laughs> no, fully developed. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. Oh, exactly. Yeah, so. that's funny. I just think a lot of people like that I've talked to recently, um, like Mark Timoney is one. Him and I talk a lot on Facebook, and him and I just talked about that the other night. Like he was hoping to be done with his novella for uh, his book, The Blood of the Spear, and he said the same thing happened. Like all of a sudden these characters decided that they didn't want to do this. And I know Brandon Sanderson's talked a lot about that too. And he's just like, didn't work. <laughs> we'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And then you sit there and you're like, but I wrote this beautiful dialogue, you know, don't you want to say at least one of these? No, Yeah. I'm not right having there. a conversation with that person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they are, they're, they're children. They yeah. are. They really are. Well, my friend, we had a debate if they're toddlers or if they're teenagers. And he's like, well, there's not a lot of difference, but there are a couple. Of no, one's just taller. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. he's like, well, he's like, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. He goes, no. I think a toddler, you maybe every once in a while could boss around a little bit more. But because I do lean towards the teenager metaphor, because he was like, you know, you're telling them like, no, you aren't going to do this. They're like, no, no, I'm really not. And then they are able to give you a reason why. And you're just like crap like that that is better <laughs> like that does right. kind of sound better and you know this maybe makes I more sense. yeah so would you say that you start more with character or plot first i know for me it's always character i come up with a cool oh. character and then figure out the plot later um i probably shouldn't do it that way but well I, when i began like i said i started with kate so yeah. when i began i started with kate but um depending on which book we're talking about depends on whether or not I started with an idea for the plot. Oh, that's as far, answer. Yeah. Because, um, when I wrote wishing on fire, I had an idea for a plot. I didn't necessarily have the idea to get, have an HGA for Raven. I had an idea for a plot. Um, and it basically was, We've got three maid gods that have gone rogue. And Gemini has to come in and do something with them. 
because, you know, gods in my story are fused to their bones. The only way to get rid of one, if you're going to get rid of one, is you have to act it. And so that's where it came in was you've got three gods that have gone rogue and one of them was completely against it. And so he goes in search of Gemini himself. And when he finds them, he helps them to ash his brothers in the sources forge, which is where she created them. And then in the middle of the war, you have Katori, the soul maker, who comes back and is like, no, I'm going to raise these dead gods. The magic is still there. I'm going to raise them. And I hate my brothers, Gemini. So I'm going to sacrifice more of the source of sons to raise these three. And they're going to kill Gemini for me. So that was how it went. I wrote the scene with um, Katori and how she's she's walking over the the um, ruins and the magic is glittering and she makes a deal with dead elders and the dead elders help her raise uh, they're referred to as Trinity with mayhem, murder, and misery. Oh, cool. So that's where the idea came from. It was it was the plot at that point mm. that I came up with and then just worked everything else in around it. But when I started the series, it was Kate. I just know, knew her. I knew she needed to get out of this situation. It was a cliche. I, I just grabbed the cliche and went with it with this character. She popped into my head what she looked like, um, where she lived, what kind of job she had. You know, all of that built up first. And then I came up with everything else. So I think for me, it, when I'm writing a series it really depends on which book it is mm. and what is going to happen next to these characters because you're keeping all these characters together they're like a family yeah. and you know what happens next to this family so yeah it, it just depends like how how's do you have this great character that you want to start with and you want to add into your family? Or do you have this great character that you want to give a completely different book to a whole new plot? Does that make sense? No, that's actually a really good way to put it. I I actually had considered that. So I actually like that. And it it does make a lot of sense actually. And yeah, I I think like, and I do, I guess I didn't think of it before, but I do think you're right where it, it really does matter. Right. Like, in terms of story and, and what you're writing. Cause I guess I did think of the idea first. Like I was reading Malazan book of the fall with my buddy for book club. And I really liked the interactions between like whiskey Jack and I liked iron bars and some of the people and like how and it's like uh, Glenn cooks, uh, the Chronicles of the black company too. Like I liked how, you know, everybody works together in a unit and I thought, well, that'd be cool to do in this, you know, Roman military kind of thing. And, uh, and I don't have a lot of characters except for one really thought of, but I have, you know, pretty much the plot and the ideas down. So I guess mm-hmm. I really, I, I guess I didn't really consider that, but I like how you put that uh, and you stated it. Like, it actually does make a lot of sense depending on, you know, really what you're writing. And I think a lot of times, too, like, I've talked to different people about this and it might even, you know, matter more with, you know, genre even. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like historical fiction, I think a lot of people start more with the conflict and then do characters uh, at least people that I've talked to. But I think with fantasy, I think a lot of it does come down to 
you know, either event or characters, depending on what they're writing. So I think that makes total sense what you said. So great answer there. I'm really interested in this one. Uh, I know we had some of the other ones. Uh, uh, I think we had actually all of them at this point besides uh, the last three. But I, I'm really anxious to hear your answer for that number six. Uh, what has been the number one thing as a writer you wish you could go back and say to your younger self? Uh, find people who want to build you up and not tear you down. Oh, that's a good one. Because uh, when I first started, I decided I'm going to write a book. I had people tell me that uh, because I was female, I couldn't write what I was writing. Uh, um, yeah. Um, and that's why we're doing February, she wrote, folks. That's why we're doing February, she wrote. Just saying. Jeez. Yeah, I had people who wouldn't even look at the first book I wrote because I'm female. And it was it was very much fantasy. And uh, I was like, okay, fine. So I went the independent route. But I have learned over the years, you got to really find people who, even if it's not their genre, that, that they'll read it anyway, and they'll tell you, you need this, you need that, this is really great, and I really like this. So, yeah, to my younger self, I would, I would definitely say, find people who will support you and be willing to read it and be also be willing to tell you this sucks but this part's good keep this there always needs to be that balance of this is what i don't like and this is what i do and younger writers especially i think need that they need that this part does not work at all but you did this beautifully and the we don't get that I mean, especially when we're first starting out, we try our family and our friends. And, you know, just because you're friends with somebody does not mean that they read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you know, because yep. I have friends who just don't read. They don't read anything. I mean, they may pick up magazines at the checkout counter or read the headlines on the magazines or they read the headlines on the news and don't read the articles, but you have to remember, choose people that read, that yeah. actually do read and are not going to look at you and go, what's a sconce? <laughs> uh, I, I've had people, yeah, your <laughs> words fair. are too big. Yeah, yeah. and I'm just like, my words are too big. Really? I'm sorry. It's a I mean, when I... It's a book. Right. When I was growing up and reading books, if I ran across a word I didn't know, I went and got the dictionary and looked it up. Yeah. It's how you I grew Webster's up vocabulary. Yeah, you get Webster's for your This phone. is true. This is true. Oh, when up. I was in, in college, there was the joke, well, does Webster live with you? Like, <laughs> you know, don't ask me what that means. Go talk to Webster and Roger. They'll tell you what that means. And, yeah. you know, nowadays you, you have to pick people who can tell you what you need to know, not what you want to know. You, yeah. you don't want to know that it's perfect. But, yeah, to my younger self, I would tell her definitely pick people who will tell you what you need to know and, and be nice advice. about it. Yeah. 
I think that's great advice. I, I don't think a lot of people even now, like, you know, really consider that. So again, you know, it goes back to what you first said, right? You know, find, find good people, you know, to surround you and help you out. And I, you know, I, my, like my friend, I just got, you know, done texting for the tech stuff. Like, you know, I sent him a, you know, first chapter for this urban fantasy and I was trying to do a thing and much like Kevin Hearn does where, you know, he's very, he's been to these cities and things and knows the directions and stuff. So I looked up all these directions in this town and I put him in and I had this thing going on and he's like, I loved everything that went on. He goes, I hated that you gave directions to this town and how you did it. And I'm like, okay. He's like, but I loved the, you know, the overall chapter. He goes, I just didn't, he goes, I just felt like this fell flat on its face. And you know, he's one of those people where he's just very honest, you know, and they'll give you great feedback. And I think it's important, you know, to, to find people like that and to give you good feedback, you know, and yes. he told me why it didn't work. He goes, maybe you could change it. It would work. He goes, but I just would just cut it out and just try to go more for this idea. And I'm like, you know what? And I went back and looked at him like, he was totally right. I'm like, maybe in the future I could try that idea again with something else or do it a different way. And maybe it works, but you know, it really was just bogging down the chapter so I definitely agree with it. I think it's really important to find people that you know that you can work with you know like you were saying for cover artists you know just find people you can work with that you know I think really from any level right and I do think it's important to find people that support you um you know like I have people online I have people in my life that support me uh you know with writing but which I'm blessed I feel like I have a lot um but you know it used to be like people were like eh, whatever and you know I would talk to people online about it so so one reason why I do the podcast is, you know, to, to talk to different people who are in the same boat and, you know, yeah, so I, it's, yeah, I definitely agree with you. So I think if people are coming here first and watching this or listening to it, that this is step one, <laughs> you know, find us on Twitter yeah. or Facebook and, you know, talk to us about your journey. So that's a great answer there. Uh, so for the seventh one, this was one of my, always my favorite personally, because uh, I always find a lot of different authors and things, um, just different writers that people um, have said so uh, who are some authors or writers that have inspired you to write oh uh, let's see um Piers Anthony oh. Ann Bishop Greg oh. Bear um Sherilyn Kenyon mm. uh Edgar Allan Poe yeah I do like creepy aspects of things and yeah. the way that he put words together um, and Rice. So mm. uh, there were parts of the Vampire Chronicles I really, really liked, and parts where I thought the movie was better. Mm. But I think you find that with a lot of book to screen, yeah, book yeah. to film, yeah. But um, yeah, uh, sci-fi mainly. I think I grew up reading a lot of sci-fi. And my mother was a huge Star Trek fan. So oh, cool. she introduced me. I didn't read those books because mm. I like watching it on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I wasn't into reading the books. Um, but she got me into the, uh, oh, and he slipped my mind, wrote the Foundation series. Oh, uh, Isaac Asimov? Asimov, yes. Which actually has um, a new TV show coming out. It has some amazing, I know, especially I amazing actresses. Yeah, like the main character looks like she's just going to be awesome. So she's been in a lot of really cool, I'm totally blanking on her name. She's been in a lot of really cool things recently. So yeah, I think it's going to be good. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, those are the, like I mainly sci-fi, paranormal, um, that really inspired me to write. Mm. Now I do read historical uh, romance when I'm in the middle of writing because it's a completely different genre Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can fall into it. And as long as it's well edited, that's another thing for indie authors. Have you noticed when you go to read books yep. now, you're editing it. Yep. And it's frustrating if this book is traditionally published and you as an indie author are going through and editing each line because it's missing a comma or there should have been a period here or you know, and I'm just the small things that yeah. in the beginning you as an indie author have to know like the back of your hand and here are traditionally published authors getting away with this. Like you finalized this, you didn't read it first before you put it out. And yeah. So, but I, I find myself when I want to read sci-fi, I go back to what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. I, um, Sometimes we'll pick up a brand new book if someone tells me this is really yeah. good, but I have to have a recommendation for it yeah, yeah. from someone that I know that reads these things, if that makes sense. No, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So I feel but, like you yeah. have limited time when you're writing. You have limited time to also read. So it's like you don't want to – I'm that way. Like I, I save, uh, you know, certain Dresden files or Forgotten Realms or Dragonlance or – you know, the pulpy stuff, I guess you could say, like, I save those for those times where, you know, I'm writing and trying to get through things, because I really just want something, you know, that I'm comfortable with, you know, it's, mm -hmm. like, it's like when you're sick, and you know, you want grandma's chicken noodle soup. So I right. feel like it's the same type of thing, except for your brain. So yeah, yeah, totally agree. you, you, you want to be stimulated, but you don't want to think too much. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I do that with shows too. Like I've been watching rewatching Castle, um, you know, to kind of shut off my brain and I like the actors, actresses and writing. And, you know, I do, sometimes I do like when I'm really intensely writing though, I, I'll just watch comedies, like just pure comedies, like the 20, you know, minute time slot ones. Um, yeah. Especially something that like how I met your mother is a good one for me. That 70s show, the office, you know, especially the office. Sometimes I get distracted with their good writing, um, mm -hmm. but you know, and how I met your mother, I guess even, but you know, I like the repetitiveness cause it's like, I can look at it, watch it, know what's happening, turn my brain off, you know, but then still, you know, bring myself back to my own writing. So I think really, I think, yeah. you know, it's just find what works for you. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Book wise, exactly. that's what I do. So yeah, that's good advice. Uh, so for that last one there, do you have any news, updates, promos, current project, anything um, that you'd like to share? Working on book five. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, yeah. I tend to, um, that very last chapter in most of my books is a segue into the next book. Mm. So uh, at the end of Wishing on Fire, the god of life, uh, his name is Tristan. They call him Lord Vite. He has a, uh, it's a ghost attached to him. Oh, cool. And they refer to it as a skinner because it, takes the magic of the animal you possess oh cool and feeds off of it and traps you in your skin and for an animal that is horrific to not be able to get furry anymore um 
So Lord Vitae now has basically a ghost um, after him. And he has a brother who is called, who is Lord Memore, who is a reaper and has the ability to also bring someone back to life if oh, the cool. lifeline has not been severed from the vessel. Yeah. He can put the essence back. So what I'm working on now is removing the scanner and, you know, going forward with the, because the, uh, it all, like, think there were some unfinished business. So you, you got rid of all the bad guys. Have you, you ever had that happen where you got rid of all the bad guys and then suddenly you realize you missed one? So, yeah, that's, the, I'm working on book five because I, miss this bad guy and uh, yeah so um and i have a working title right now is casmore oh cool but i don't know if i'm going to stick with that so but that's currently what i'm working on i've got um basically the source has a whole entire prison plane which are all the essences that she could not have obliterated because the magic has to have X amount of order and elementals to support it. And the, they all have to have humans because without humans, they wouldn't exist. So it's sort of based on the belief system where if you believe in a God, then that God has power. Mm. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, so I sort of took that aspect of it, and if the humans, the humans believe in my mythology, basically my gods and goddesses and the animals and the elementals, and they have the magic to go along with it, and this all keeps the world going around. Well, we have Theta Plane, who has people on it who are crazy and have to be, um, they need a leader basically a warden for the whole entire plane and so i've sent two in there to do that Mm. and they're having problems and they yeah so then i've got justice who has to keep going in justice is raven he has to keep going in there and straightening things out and coming back and he's getting a little aggravated with it yeah so but i'm tying up loose ends for basically wishing on fire and probably when I come out of this one, I'll have more loose ends that I'll have to tie up for the next book. It's funny how that works. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Those darn so, characters, I tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that sounds awesome. I hope so. I hope it does. Yeah. But- oh, it's, I mean, it, it does. It sounds very interesting. I mean, you know, everything that you talked about in terms of your books today sounds really cool. And like, I, I definitely could see, you know, where, you know, it might be kind of hard, you know, in terms of genre, you know, to, to really pick. But again, I, I don't know, personally, like me, I'm looking at more and more books like that now, where if somebody says that it's cross genre, I'm like, okay, I'm there. I just, I've just read a lot of books recently. I feel like particularly indie that were just so good, um, you know, that went, you know, cross genre and, you know, really just used those elements in different genres really well in a well-made story with great characters and, I just feel like I'm I'm craving that more and more than those, like I said earlier, like traditional, just I'm only in this, um, you know, in this genre. So, yeah, that sounds awesome. 
that's exciting though. That's, that's a lot of books. That's awesome. That's a yeah. nice little milestone for you. I feel like, yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, Suzanne, I really want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I know I learned a lot today. I've been learning all day. It's kind of a nice Sunday actually. Uh, but yeah, you gave me a lot to think about personally too. And I feel like our audience uh, will get a lot out of this conversation as well. So really want to thank you for coming on. Um, for our audience yeah of course anytime you want to come on and you know talk fantasy or you know writing you know you just get a hold of me and we'll schedule something uh yeah i always love having people come back a second time i've had uh mallory coons come on twice uh tilda holt colts come on twice um i had my friend mark timoney come on twice i think he was on we were supposed to be twice ended up being three because our internet kept cutting out um we had a storm that night yeah so i've had i think four or five people come on twice and I feel like the second time is always like a really, really good conversation. So anytime you want to head back on or, you know, you got a new project or something you want to share, you know, you just come on and we'll, we'll get you all situated on here. So. I'll uh, need that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. For course. Uh, for our audience, don't forget, you can check this out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, on Spotify. Um, and actually uh, this is uh, for Susanna is going to be one of our episodes for February. She wrote, um, we're just waiting on a couple of calendar things. Uh, you'll obviously see the number of episode uh, on the calendar that we sent out for our website. The new website will be up and running. Uh, so you can actually go ahead and obviously you can always go into our descriptions for the uh, video, the Spotify, uh, even the RSS feed to find Susanna's links, uh, to find her books or author profiles, things like that. Uh, but make sure you take a look at the new website because we'll have all the author profiles there and everything will be there nice and neat for you. Uh, so you actually won't even have to go and find the videos. You can actually just go right there, click, uh, and then you'll be able to find the descriptions and all the sites where you can find Susanna's and everybody else's books right off the bat there. If you guys have any I can't questions, wait to check it out. I know, right? I'm like so excited. And this is not my idea. Like my buddy was like, oh, it'd be really cool if, you know, instead of doing the YouTube, like everybody does, if you did the author profile and it just linked to the YouTube and I'm like, and then we talked about how it would look and I'm like, I think it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, so it'll be a lot of work the next couple of weeks, but a lot of people have already, like we actually have most people's um, pictures and things like that. Cause a lot of people just chose their Goodreads or Amazon. Uh, so I will be asking everybody who we haven't asked so far, but I think it'll actually be pretty cool because it, how him and I talked about it, it it's just going to look nice and neat. Uh, we have a couple of, um, you know, just like little boxes and things where we'll put your guys' stuff in. Uh, and I just think it'll be really cool to just go and, you know, it'll be almost like a Goodreads profile, but you'll see everybody's there. Uh, and then all of your links will be there for every author. Uh, and like I said, uh, the YouTube links will go right to those episodes, just send everybody right to the channel. So it's like really all people have to do is go to my site uh, when it's updated and they can find every single author's stuff that we've interviewed so far. Uh, and I'm looking forward to finding some new authors to read. Yeah. 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 And I'm hoping that's what exactly. happens. You know, like you go on and check your author profile and you kind of go down and, you know, see some of the people. Um, and yeah, I just think it'd be really fun. We're going to try and do a separate page for um, people that we've interviewed like yourself where, you know, they've talked about different authors. Um, so we're hoping to also do, it's going to have to wait till the summer, I think with what I've got going on and what we're trying to do, but we're going to do a book recommendation tab too. Uh, so it'll be just like the author profile, but instead of your descriptions uh, and the links, it'll have actually the authors that you've suggested, um, okay. which I think will be really cool. And we'll put a couple of, we'll put like the top three um, that people mentioned. So we'll probably send out another survey and what are your top three or authors or books and we'll do it that okay. way. And yeah, leave those. So I think it'll be cool eventually because I think yes. you'll have people that'll be, you know, on the show who have, you know, talked about each other's books and stuff. So 
yeah, I think it'd be really neat. Well, Susanna, again, thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank like you. I said, anytime I you want to come back, just let me know. And I hope you have a good rest of your Sunday. Okay. You too. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.